Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. This is our last week in the series that we've been on, I Appreciate You. Uh, we have been focusing on, this, on the attitude of gratitude and how it impacts our life. We've viewed how gratitude guides our attitude, how gratitude affects our relationships by having, us, ha- having a greater value for God, having a greater value for others. When we, have, when we are grateful for those that are around us, guess what? We have a greater value for them. When we are grateful for the blessings of God, we have a greater value for who God is in our life. Last week we looked at the story with the woman with the alabaster jar and how her, her humility and her gratitude opened up the door for the miraculous to take place in her life. Today I want to take a closer look, this is our last week of this series, I want to take a closer look at our theme verse, it's kind of the theme verse that we've been sharing, out of 1 Thessalonians 5.18. We've been, I've been, I think in every message I've shared so far, I've shared this verse. But today I want to expand this verse, not to just 1 Thessalonians 5.18. I want to expand it to verses 16, 17, and 18, which adds four words. Four words. And um, I want us to read this all together today. And I actually want to read it out loud. If you're joining us online, right there in your home, I want you to read it out loud with us today. Can you do that? We're going to read it slow, but you, you say it with me today, this scripture, as we put it up on the on the screen. Here we go. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is just not letters on a page that disappear or that don't have a whole lot of value. But Lord, these are your words spoken for our lives. And God, I pray today that your words, by the power of your Holy Spirit, will be life-changing to us. That we will leave today, Lord God, valuing your word like never before. And that we'll put your word into action. And God, that your word will be life-changing. We believe it, and we pray it, and we declare it in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Thessalonians is one of Paul's earliest letters written. It's written to new believers in Thessalonica to help them with guidance on how they should live holy lives. Paul's letter reassures them in their faith, it inspires hope within them, it encourages them to live a holy life, and and it prepares them for the Lord's return. He has this heart, Paul does, because so many of these churches that he's writing to, these are churches that he went to and that he planted and people got saved. And all of a sudden, he, he developed a community, a church that says, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you guys in charge. I want you to, to preach the gospel, to preach the good news. I want you to pray over the sick. And I'm going to be praying for you. And he's writing these letters as letters of encouragement to these new believers. Paul has this heart. That they succeed in their faith and not, to give, and not to give in to the direction of worldly values. It's by saying no to sin and saying yes to God. It's by saying no to sin and saying yes to God. One of his final instructions 
in this letter that he writes to the churches there in Thessalonica. It's, it's found in the last chapter. And the final, one of the final instructions is rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Today I want to look at this one sentence and reflect how Paul's instructions can make a difference in your life and in my life. I want to look at it from a perspective that we are called to do these three things. Same with me. Rejoice, pray, and give thanks. Rejoice, pray, and give thanks. No matter, and this is the key, it doesn't matter if you're having a good day or a bad day. It doesn't matter what the hap- what's happening around your life. You're called to rejoice, pray, and give thanks. No matter what's taking place. Let's look at Paul's first instruction for us. Rejoice always. If you look up the word rejoice in the Greek, you'll find out it means rejoice. If you look up always in the Greek, you'll find out it means always. At all times. Rejoice always. There's there's nothing, there's no deeper meaning, no deeper hidden secret in that. It just says rejoice always. In fact, in Philippians chapter 4, Verse 4, the Apostle Paul uh, writes a very similar statement, but he doubles down on it. He says it in a different way, and he, just, he says it with more emphasis. He says, rejoice, always, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Anytime you see in the Bible where it's a repeated statement, it puts an extraordinary amount of emphasis. Rejoice always again, I say rejoice. In fact, I grew up, some of you guys know what I'm talking about. There was a hymn. Rejoice in the Lord always again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always again, I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice again, I say rejoice. I won't put you through the rest of my painful singing right now. <laughs> I remember as a kid, we would sing that over and over and over again. I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm a kid, give me, some, give me some grace, give me some slack. Who wrote this song? Man, there's only like four or five words in this whole hymn. The whole time we're singing this over and over and over again. When will the song end? As I've gotten older, I've realized maybe this is exactly what we need. Maybe we just need to sing it over and over and over and over again to remind us, hey, rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. Maybe we need that in our spirit because so many times the weight of this world can weigh us down in such a way that we just need to sing rejoice always in the Lord. Bring it back into our lives. Let me ask you a question. How many of you are always joyful? I can't raise my hand. I might be struck down by lightning. I guarantee I'm not always joyful. Like me, you might be in that same arena where you might need to improve that area where you create a greater environment of joy in your life. And it's not that we're mad or upset or that we're angry all the time, but we can't say that we're always joyful Always is a lot. But why would Paul instruct us to rejoice always? It seems like he almost puts us in a situation where we're kind of destined to fail immediately. It's a hard, it's just really a hard objective to achieve. And I believe Paul knows if we learn to rejoice, if we continually change our perspective on how our life is, if we rejoice, it changes our perspective. On how we perceive life. Think about it. If you're a person 
that, all, that is always sad, discouraged, and depressed, then guess what? That's the lens that you're going to use to view life. Right? But what would happen if we take off that set of glasses and we put on a new set of glasses and these glasses have a lens that we see everything through a perspective of joy? How would we live our life if we always rejoice, rejoice, again I say rejoice? Think about how that affects our relationship even with God. Instead of looking through sad eyes or sad glasses or depressed glasses, we started looking through joy-filled glasses. When we view God from a perspective that God is for us and not against us, guess what? We will have greater joy. It shows our appreciation towards God that we are grateful for all that he does. Annette and I had the privilege of spending Thanksgiving with our with my daughter, with our daughter, and uh, our new son-in-law since, since May, our new son-in-law, uh, uh, Brittany and Luke, and uh, our other two sons, they were actually spending Thanksgiving with the in-laws, and so we got uh, uh, Brittany and Luke for a whole week. And one of the things that we decided to do is we decided to go to Knott's Berry Farm, and I think it was on Tuesday, was it? And we decided, okay, let's go to Knott's Berry Farm, we're going to have a blast, and it's just going to be fun, and so we went there, and, uh, and uh, we waited uh, three hours in line for one ride, the accelerator, that lasted 30 seconds. Whew. Rejoice, rejoice, again I say rejoice. I was going crazy. I mean... I paid good money to be treated like a cow, you know. <laughs> Basically, you get put into these cattle guards and you're led through these things and, and they prod you along. And I, Seriously? I was getting frustrated. I could feel, if you know me, I, you, you, you trap me for too long, I just, something happens. And I was just feeling this coming up. And, and one of the things I've noticed about my son-in-law, Luke, he's just joyful. All the time. I look over him when I feel this, and he's just happy. And we had lunch earlier. He's digging back into the bag and eating some more food, and he's just joyful. And we're sitting like he's just joyful. Seriously. Earlier in the day, we we walked in the park. As soon as we walked in the park, there was a, some Knott's Berry Farm worker, and she was announcing, "Hey, there's a there's a show that's about ready to start here at the Birdcage Theater. Come on in, come on in." And so we thought, "Oh, let's do it." And so we just ran on in because it was about ready to start. We found a seat. We sat down, and and as we sat down, we didn't even know what the show. At least I didn't know what the show was, and it was called Marlowe's Wings or something like that. Didn't know it was a musical. Brittany looks over at me, she goes, Dad, Luke hates musicals. And I look over at Luke, and he's sitting there, and he has that smile on his face. It's kind of just like that smile of grinning and burying it, you know what I'm saying? And he's just kind of like grinning and burying it. And, and so we're in this, and the music starts. And, and about 10 minutes into the, I look over to Luke and see how he's handling this. He's clapping his hands. He's singing along. And I started laughing. I started thinking, here's something. He's in a situation where he just doesn't like it, and he is still joyful. 
It reminds me of this truth, and the older I get, the more I realize this simple truth, that joy is a choice. And it's choosing not to focus on the negative, but it's choosing to focus on the positive. Joy is a state of mind. You can choose to be joyful or you can choose to be sad. It's like flipping on a light switch. When you go into your bedroom, you can flip it on, the light comes on. You can flip it on, the lights go off. What are you going to flip on today? Are you going to flip on sadness or are you going to flip on joy? It's your choice. Joy is a state of mind. I believe this is what Paul's revealing, that we can find joy in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of trouble. I've been, I, literally, I have been with people on their deathbed. They're going to go into eternity, and they're filled with joy. They're about ready to meet their creator, and they're filled with joy. How can that be when they're going to die, Pastor Tom? I mean, that could be one of the scariest things ever. They're going to die, and they're filled with joy. It's because their hope does not reside in this world. Their hope resides in Jesus and eternity in heaven. It's beyond the circumstances of this life. They are filled with the power of God in them. And they're joyous. I, my good friend that I had uh, that lived up in La Jolla here. And he was, we were friends there in, 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 um, in Nevada as well. 99 and a half years old. Grant Russell. He told me one day, I went up to his house, and Pastor Johnny and I went up there, and I was sitting around his dining room table, and he knows that his time is coming to an end. He's not doing very well health-wise, but, man, his state of mind was always just perfect. And he looked at me that one day, and he looked at me and said, you know what, Pastor Tom, I'm just excited to see what's next. I thought that was such a cool way. I'm just excited for what's next, filled with joy. Rejoice always. You might ask, what do I have to be joyful about? Your salvation. You're called a child of God. Rejoice. Your hope for the future. You have the promise of eternity in heaven. Rejoice. God's justice. All the wrongs in this world will one day be righted. Rejoice. Your sufferings or persecutions. Oh, Pastor Tom, now you've really stepped over the line. Peter states that we can rejoice as we share in Christ's sufferings. That one I struggled with, to be honest with you, at times. Seriously? I want you to think about it in a different way. When someone persecutes you because of Jesus, it's not because they don't like you. It's because they don't like Jesus. What does that mean? That means that they see Jesus in you. OMG. They see Jesus in you. Oh my God. They see Jesus in me. Rejoice. Do you see where the Apostle Paul could actually say, Rejoice when, when we have sufferings? Because when people, when you have sufferings because of Christ, they see Jesus in you. It's not you, it's it's Jesus. It gives us a reason to rejoice. It's a confirmation that they see Jesus in you. You can rejoice because God is with you. The word of God in Hebrews 13, 5 says, God will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus says that I'm going to bring a comforter 
to you. It's God's very spirit, the Holy Spirit, that can reside and will, he will never leave you nor forsake you. Rejoice. As we choose to be joyful, what happens in our life, it starts to change our perspectives. It shows our appreciation towards God and towards others, and it positively affects our interaction with others. Joy is a choice. I remember when my dad, my father was pastor in a small church in a, in a small town. It wasn't very big, and he was a bivocational pastor, meaning that he had to work outside of the church for a living because otherwise he would not be able to take care of his family. And my, if you knew my dad, my dad was always a hard worker. I mean, he just loved work. He was working all the time, morning to night. He just, he just loved work. And, and uh, you know, it didn't take him long in this small little town to figure out, i got to do something. So he literally never had any experience in printing, and he started a printing company, a printing business. Back, not with coffee machines, but literally when you had to use ink in a printing press. And, and he became pretty successful. He was actually the, the printer that printed the, the, uh, the newspaper in town, the Trumpet or Tribune or Bugle or whatever it was called, something like that. And he printed that, and he printed a lot of the letterhead and the different forms for all the different businesses in the town. He became successful. And one of the things he decided to do as success was happening, he went out and he decided to buy himself a brand new truck because one of the things, he was putting all these newspapers, he was having to haul it in, the, in his trunk of his car, and so he bought this truck, and, 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 and it had nothing to do with the church because he was working on the side to make his money, and yet when he bought this brand new truck, some of the people in the church were not happy about it. Are you kidding? The pastor bought a brand new truck. He he's just going, he, he's going to become prideful. He's going to, they became the pride police, you know, like Garden, the pastor, that he's going to become prideful and selfish because he bought this brand new truck. Or they became the woe is me group. Why don't I have a brand new truck? I mean, dad's brand new truck, a brand new Ford, he loved it. I mean, it had all the bells and whistles. It had an AM radio, a bench seat, roll-up windows, single cab, Two-wheel drive. <laughs> trucks back in those days were, had nothing like the trucks that we have today. But I was thinking about that. Why would the, not everybody, but why would those few people in the church not want to be joyful for the pastor who works so hard to receive a new truck? What's in us that want to hold people back? Because let's think about this. Who provided the truck? Didn't, didn't God provide the blessings? And now I'm not talking about going into debt to provide your own blessings. That's a whole other world. That won't bring joy. That will bring discomfort when you get too far in debt. I'm talking the, the real blessings of God that just come. Dad was being blessed. Paul states to rejoice always. What would happen if we rejoiced with others when God blessed them instead of criticizing them? Remember, every good and perfect gift comes from above. It's a sign of God's blessings. There is nothing worse than people who want to get in the way of what God wants to do, of the blessings of God. The Bible tells us to rejoice with those who are rejoicing and to mourn with those who are mourning. You see, we need to learn when someone is being blessed, don't all of a sudden compare yourself to them. Stop doing that and say, rejoice. Rejoice. How cool is that? That's awesome. 
And then when someone's going through a difficult time, you need to learn how to have, have compassion and empathy for them and to love them. Let's be a people who show appreciation by rejoicing with one another. When we learn to rejoice with others instead of trying to compete with others, we will find greater joy in our own life. It creates this environment. And I want you to, and we're all about in this church, we're about creating environments to see what God can do through you. It creates this environment in our life when we live in this environment of joy that God can go, yeah, I'm going to bless that person. I'm going to touch that person. Proverbs 17, 22 says, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up bones. You have a choice. What do you choose? A cheerful heart, a joyful heart, or dried up bones? You choose. The second instruction Paul gives us, pray always. Once again, man, this bar is set so high. It's an objective that's like way above us. And how many of you guys pray continually? Always? I have come to the conclusion for me, some of you I know are much better than I am. Uh, it's impossible for me to pray always. When I go to sleep, I go somewhere else. And I'm just not, you know, it's just I, I, can't, I can't pray always. So what does the Apostle Paul mean? Pray continually. I, I believe the goal is that we have an attitude of prayer or a position of prayer. Meaning this, I don't live life without God. I live life with God. He's my best friend. And I go to him about everything in my life. He's included. I don't leave him out. I don't sometimes include God. I always include God. It's bringing God not just to my, to my good recitals. It's bringing him to all my recitals. It's communicating to God in both the good and the bad times of life. It's never depending on just self. It's always choosing to include God in my life. And sometimes it's not always easy to do this. As you know, it's kind of a tall order. Yet it's necessary if we really want to receive the blessings of God over our life. It's necessary that we include God in everything, not just some things. It's not that we're perfect. God already knows that. That's why he sent his son Jesus to die for your sins. You're not perfect. If you think you are, call me. We'll talk later, okay? Because we're, none of us are perfect. But we're striving for a relationship where God is the center of our lives. It kind of reminds me of, of the marriage vows, for better or for worse, for rich or for poor, to, you know, you know, to death do us part, or sickness and health. Our relationship with God, and by the way, death will never do us part with God. So let me throw that sentence out, okay, because we have eternity with God. But our relationship with God is not a part-time relation, it's all the time. The Bible states this in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 11. It says, seek the Lord with his strength. Seek his presence continually, all the time, always. Seek. Why, why would we need to seek God's presence or why would we have the desire to always have God's presence in our life? And I'm glad you asked that question. So Psalm 16, verse 11 states these words. Listen, you make known, speaking about God, you make known... To me, the path of life. Whew, that's a big one. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This seems like a pretty good reason why I'd want to be in God's presence all the time. 
Because in God's presence, there is fullness of joy. And I want to, let me put some things together for us today, real quick. Let's not forget the scripture that's in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Where it says, the joy of the Lord is also our strength. Have you ever thought about that? I'm a, I love math. I love equations. I, I don't know why I'm that way, but I just am. I know some people love English. I love math. Don't like English that much, but I speak it once in a while. But I started thinking about this is just really a formula that we should practice in our life. God's presence equals fullness of joy. It's really two equations. God's presence equals fullness of joy. Fullness of joy, guess what, equals God's strength. How cool is that? At times in life, I don't know if you have, but I have, we, we struggle with direction or we struggle with responding to something correctly. Maybe it's frustration about different happenings that are, or different things that are happening in our world. Or maybe it's frustration of different things that are happening in your home right now. Whatever it might be. In those times where it's kind of searching for strength, we're searching for, you know, how do we respond? How do we answer? It's, I don't know if you ever look at the cartoons or these illustrations and all of a sudden you have some person talking, you have this big balloon, you know, and they have this, these, these, these questions or these comments written in there. And, and I, sometimes I feel like I just have this big balloon, what should I do question sitting over me. Some of you might have that. What should I do? When Jerusalem in the Old Testament was under siege from the Babylonian army and Jeremiah, who was one of the prophets of God, he had been imprisoned by King Hezekiah, which was his king, the king of Judah, imprisoned him because he just got tired of hearing. Jeremiah the prophet spent his entire life, catch this, he spent his entire life as being a voice of God. God just literally continued to give him the words to share to the Israelites. His entire, I don't know if I read a scripture where there's one time in his entire life that anybody ever listened to him. And he's literally the voice of God. You want to talk about having a depressed life? A discouraged life? He's now arrested. He's in the court of the palace, arrested under guard by his own king because the king is tired of hearing him say that Jerusalem's going to fall and the Babylonians are going to take over because Jerusalem has turned away from God. And the Lord gives Jeremiah this message in Jeremiah 33.3. He says, call to me and I will answer you. Even prophets need encouragement. And will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. There are times in life where we come to events or situations in our life that are way above our pay grade. I don't have any control over it. I can't control the pandemic. I can't control all that's happening in our world. It's above my pay grade. But can I tell you something today? I know someone who does. And I can bring my request to God. That's what the scripture says. I can bring it. And he will reveal those things that are secret or hidden. And, I'll, and there's been times in my life I've walked into appointments. I've walked into situations. I don't know how to. And you've probably been with me. You've probably been in the same situation. You don't know how to handle it. It's in a, it, the, the conflict has risen to a level that's like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. You have that big question mark over your head. What should I do? And all of a sudden I have this just this amazing idea. I mean, it's just like, wow, why don't you talk to God? And I go, Lord, what do I do? I don't know. 
It's above my pay grade. And all of a sudden, it's just like the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, just things that were hidden, things that were secret, are all of a sudden being revealed in my, in my mind, in my life. And all of a sudden, I'm getting ideas and thoughts and, and things are starting to flow. And all of a sudden, God's given me the answer, the path of life, of which path I should take and how I could go into the situation. And instead of increasing the conflict, guess what? I can help solve or bring down the heat because God's given me what the real issues are. It doesn't happen until I'm willing to humble myself before God and ask for his help. In the book of James, it says, we have not because we ask not. We need to start asking. We need to go straight to the source, to the person who holds all the answers. God will reveal those things to us when we need to know. God shouldn't be our last option. He should be our first option. Pray always. Say that with me. Pray always. The last instruction that Paul gives us is he says, give thanks always. And we have discussed this subject over the last three weeks in this series. And, and we know that we're called to give thanks in all circumstances. No matter what situation we find ourselves, we are called to give thanks. No matter what it might be. Jonah gave thanks when he was in the belly of a fish. Paul and, and Silas gave thanks when they'd just gotten beaten and thrown in prison in Macedonia. Daniel gave thanks to God, even though, even though he knew by doing so he was going to be thrown in the lion's den. Paul gave thanks in the middle of the storm when his ship is literally breaking apart. Job praised God after losing everything. Job states, the Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. I, wow. Jesus gave thanks on the night before his crucifixion. We are called to always give thanks. We always have a reason to be grateful. So let me ask you. Within, this, within these stories I just mentioned, besides giving thanks, what do all these stories have in common? The common theme is this, that God came to the rescue of every single person. Jonah was vomited out by the fish. I know it wasn't a very clean rescue, but it was a rescue. Jonah deserved to come out that direction because he was running away from God. A little messy, but it's okay. Paul and Silas were set free from prison by a mighty earthquake. Daniel was, smelt, was, was saved by the mouths of the lions. It says in the Bible that, that God literally shut the mouths of the lions. Paul and everyone on the ship were saved. I think it was 271. They were all saved. They were shipwrecked right next to an island called Malta. Job's life was restored and he received twice the possessions that he had before. And finally, Jesus, on the third day, he was raised from the dead. Raised back to life to be king of kings forever and ever. Life can be difficult times. I'm not saying it's not. It can be hard at times. But what's awesome is that when we submit and surrender to God, we are giving control over to the one who has unlimited power and resource. With a, with a thankful heart, God becomes bigger and our problems become smaller. I'm going to say that again because some of you need to get this in your spirit. With a thankful heart, 
God becomes bigger and our problems become smaller. This is the truth that the Apostle Paul knew so very well. And this is the truth that he wanted us to get into our hearts. When we leave God out of our lives, we limit our future to our own human abilities instead of God's supernatural power. When we choose, I'm going to do this on my own, you are doing it on your own. Why would you do something on your own when you have the creator of the heavens and earth that wants to be with you and to walk that with you through that? Why not invite God to the party? Why leave him out of the party? The only thing that ever leaves God, and I don't know why I'm going this way, but I'm going to go this way. The only thing that ever leaves God out of the party is when we continue to just live in sin. We just continue to go down that road. Because it's not because God doesn't want to be with you. You just can't, you just can't handle it. When we choose to drop off sin, it's saying no to sin, saying yes to God. It doesn't mean that we don't sometimes sin. But our focus is no longer on the sin. Our focus is on God. You watch what happens in your life. When you make that choice, you know what, this is no longer. Sometimes it's a hard choice. Sometimes it's something that you really kind of enjoy. But you know in your spirit that when you engage in that, it takes you down a road that is away from God. It doesn't take you, it doesn't draw you towards God. I don't care how much fun it is to go out in the bar and to drink with all your friends and to be out there. But at two or three o'clock in the morning, when you're still out there and things are starting to go wrong, all of a sudden, guess what? You just don't feel like you're near God. All of a sudden, all of a sudden you're somewhere else where you shouldn't be. If you know that, stop going there. What it takes is the it's so simple. No. Yes to God. And you start walking that direction and watch what God will do in and through your life. Giving thanks to God in all circumstances helps our perspective. It's like looking through a microscope. If you look through a microscope at a grain of sand, it can be enormous. Be big. But what happens when you walk away from that microscope? You can't hardly, if you can even see the grain of sand, you can't hardly even see it. Thankfulness broadens our vision so it's not so narrow. So that our eyes can be removed from the problem and redirected to the opportunity that God provides. That's what happens when we give thanks. It takes away from that problem that's like right here. That's all you can see. And it starts to move it away so we can start seeing more of God's opportunities in and through our life. By giving thanks, we are showing our appreciation to God and allowing Him to have control. I leave you with this final scripture. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to his purpose. Let's give thanks to the Lord and watch what God will do in and through your life. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, thank you God, that your word does not return void. It says that in your scripture, that your word does not, does not come back empty. It does not just leave us with want. It does not, it does not, it doesn't leave us void. But your word changes our life. It impacts our life. It makes a difference in our life. When we embrace your word. Today, God, I pray this word that the Apostle Paul, that the Holy Spirit worked through the Apostle Paul to write these words. 
not just for that church in Thessalonica, but for this church 2,000 years later, 2,000 years later, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I pray today, Lord, that we can take that word, we can apply it to our lives, and Lord God, as we just went through the Thanksgiving season and now we enter into this Christmas season, that Lord God, we will allow the joy of the Lord to be our strength. That Lord, we will have take the time to communicate with you and to share our hurts and our joys. And Lord, that we will take time to give thanks in all things because you are our creator. Lead us, Lord, I pray. Guide us in all that we do. I ask it in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, God is good, amen? All the time, he is good. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.